0: Hi, and thank you for tuning in to Compound Performance Radio. We're your hosts, Matt Domney and Kyle Dobbs. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey, everybody, and thank you for joining us on today's episode of Compound Performance Radio. Today with us, we have we have somebody that we're excited to have on. Um, Somebody that really needs no introduction at all, but we're going to introduce him anyway because you know, that's who we are. Uh, so today with us, we have the powerful Joe DeFranco. Joe, thank you very much for joining us. And for those of you who have obviously lived under a rock for the last like probably 20-ish years in fitness, you want to take a moment to just let everybody know who you are?
1: Uh, yeah, we'll 20, 25 years under the rock. 25 years. That's yeah, a long time
0: to live I'm- under a rock.
1: I am older, older than I would like to admit, but yeah, 25 years if you've been under that rock. Basically, my uh, abbreviated story is I was a guy that grew up obsessed with football, um, got into training very early on. My dad was a military guy, uh, New Jersey State trooper, um, world arm wrestling champion. Had his That's old- where the triceps come from then.
2: Yes. It's genetic. <laughs> it's
1: genetic. I feel better He's, now. Um, I actually
2: feel better now about that.
1: Big, big bench, bench, and uh, my dad's more of a of a puller than me. He has the arm wrestling genetics. I was, I got his bench press genetics. But, um, yeah, he was always into training. So he had a gym, a private gym in Patterson, New Jersey, which was, like, bad section oh, of yeah. the neighborhood, <laughs> like, you know, places. In between sets, they used to, I, I was always so confused at 11 years old, I would see guys, they would do a set and they'd always walk over to the window and like stare out the window and then do their next set. And I remember asking my dad, why does everyone look out the window? He's like, we just, you got to check to see if your car's getting stolen and you got to run downstairs <laughs> and, and grab the grab the guy before he drives away. It's like, that was just common in, in that uh, part of town. So I, but that's where my roots of like garage gyms and warehouse Mm -hmm. gyms, I think, came from because it was just a gym on top of a factory in Patterson, New Jersey, like crime capital of New Jersey, but there was, it was a lot of like police, fire, military type in there and they, they trained hard, a lot of like jacked, strong, badass dudes and that's where I got my training background and... You know, had a goal of of, a dream of playing in the NFL. Like, like a lot of kids, you want to be a pro athlete. Unfortunately, at 17, I developed a tumor in my sacrum, which went misdiagnosed for years. I had over 50 experimental procedures and four major back surgeries. Finally removed it. But now I'm at 22 I have all this – to this day, I have I have nerve damage and collateral damage from the surgeries. Uh, it's awful, but butchered me back then. But obviously, the football career was over, and that's when I, I kind of went through a period of depression and not – like, you don't know what you're going to do and who you are because that was my whole identity up until that point. And I just put everything into – Fitness and training and strength and conditioning. I studied exercise physiology in school and just went all in on that. And uh, that's how I got started. I got got in after I got my degree. I had an internship, worked at a one of the few like performance type of gyms, the, the Parisi Speed School, which at mm-hmm. the time it was like yeah. one Number of one. the only. Yeah, um, he he really pioneered like the Bill Parisi. I got to give him credit, like. The speed, agility, and quickness thing was very, very new at the time, and he was at the forefront of that. So I got in early there, kind of worked my way up, and after a few years became like the top guy, one of the top two guys in that company, got five years of great experience working with young kids, athletes, and then went on my own eventually and and not having a ton of money. That's how a lot of people may have heard my my storage closet story of my first gym was a literal storage closet in the the gym that I would train at when I was in college and I'd come home for summer break. I got to know the owner and I went to him uh, when I was looking to start my own business, realized I couldn't afford anything in New Jersey. Remembered he had like a closet in the downstairs of the gym and just asked, hey, if I clean that closet out, throw a, a new coat of paint on there and and get some of my own pieces of equipment, can I train people in that room? Because similar to what you guys were saying before we started, like not wanting to, I, I love gyms, but it was like a regular health club type of gym. And I didn't mm-hmm. want to be, I wanted my own atmosphere and my own equipment. And uh, so I opted to go in this 500 square foot closet instead of being a regular trainer at the gym with like you know the regular folk and that's how it started it's it's crazy because it was so small and I was almost embarrassed of it at first because it's a literal storage closet yeah but it was so unique and then the athletes I started training were making such amazing progress and they they're wearing their DeFranco's training t-shirts to school. And people are like, whoa, what the hell are you doing? Where are you going? Is that place really a storage closet? And then like the mystique of the place in and of itself started bringing people in. And within three years, I had like 10 guys from the New York Giants coming, pro baseball players, all American high school football players. And then the thing, it just exploded. and And I grew and expanded my gym four times since then. And uh, here we are today. I've kind of gone full circle. I've gone back to a smaller, one, a little bit bigger, but I have a, a thousand square foot facility where I have just a handful of clients. I have a trainer there that runs that place. Um, Calvin Hartman, shout out Calvin, does a phenomenal job. So it's more of a private, I don't do a lot of advertising, private personal training for Um, We work with everybody high school college pro athletes and and some general pop clients and I a big part of my business now is training trainers with our certification course and uh, producing a lot more online material as well so that's my last 25 years in a nutshell.
2: Whenever, whenever I hear the storage closet story, I like Fight Club, like comes to yeah, mind immediately. Yes, whenever I hear
0: it, as I'm just like, it's... no, we don't talk about the Francos. Yeah, first we don't rule:
1: say, if you don't know
2: about it, you you, you don't, don't know about it.
1: You know, it's you bring that up. It's it's a, it's almost exact. Like that's such a great analogy because that's what it became. And I, I'm I'm proud of it, but it also it, it's almost. I look back and I laugh like. There were, there were many times where high school kids would come in to the gym and tell me like they fought another kid at school because they talked shit about the they, like, <laughs> they took a lot of pride in like, you don't, you don't talk shit about the, my gym and the storage closet I go to. And there, as my gym got more popular, it's funny, There was, it it was the Precy Speed School, which was this 30,000 square foot mega facility. Uh, Yeah. And then I was the 500 square foot, like more hardcore strength, Mm. serious, rough around the edges. So completely opposite. Then all of a sudden within three years, there were nine small, like 1015 square foot garage and warehouse gyms within 10 minutes oh, of on. my gym all yeah. trying to do what I was doing and that's where a lot of like the gym wars started where kids were like there's a gym that opened up and they copied off you so I you know fought some kid that went to their gym I'm like no it's, I'm, I don't condone that I appreciate it but I don't condone it Did it's like win? the old
0: school kung fu movies when you just watch like all the, teachers. the dojos it's like, like yeah, yeah all the dojos just <laughs> each
1: other yeah, I think that's why. I don't know if you guys have gotten into the Cobra Kai thing on Netflix. Yes, it's so um, good. I, I'm into that because it, it reminds me of my gym during that time. That's how it was, minus you know, some of the insane karate fights that are going on at school. But very, very similar to, to DeFranco's gym circa 2003. Now, did you ever like?
0: Did you guys ever train like a little fight team to go take on the Parisis, like little subways of Parisis? Or would you guys? <laughs> no, but you know what? It's like I've been to Parisis speed school. They got a smoothie bar and everything. It's like y'all, yeah, to yeah, take them out. Yeah.
1: No problem. No problem. And it was it's just it, we went like now it's it's you know I'm 46 and I look back and I and I it's like all good memories. But yeah, I'm a competitor, and you know I worked at Parisis and took a lot of pride. Mm-hmm. In working there, I loved it like I, I treated that gym like it was my own. I was very close with Bill the owner. and then you know me opened up a gym. obviously there was a little bit of, of tension for a while and there was a lot of uh, there was maybe not fights, but the big thing football is hu- like high school football mm-hmm. is huge yeah. where the, especially the part of New Jersey I'm from. So there were these high school combines were really big at the time where, kids were like getting scholarships to big time D1 schools Mm -hmm. just because they ran a fast 40 yard dash at like the Mm -hmm. Nike combine. So that was a big thing. Like the DeFranco crew would be, you know, at the combine, but then the Parisi crew and the other gym from down the street and everyone would have their gym t-shirts on. And it was like, who ran the fastest 40, who did the best vertical jump? What gym did they train at? Like it, it was, it was cool because it was very competitive and it's all of our livelihoods. So yeah. not only do you want to see the kids do good, but that's how I'm paying the bills at the time. So, you know, there was a lot at stake. It, it was it was fun. A, a competition brings out the best in everyone. Like Absolutely. I respect the hell out of Bill and all the other gyms now. I'm, I'm, I don't want to say I'm not as competitive, but I, I've, I'm old enough to realize there's enough business to go mm. around and we're all trying to help people. But at the time, it was like, cutthroat i wanted to be the best and uh we we were doing whatever it took to get there
0: i mean you also with that what you're just saying about not being quote like like as competitive now is like you've also done a really good job of like cementing your legacy and building your brand and producing tangible results with people for 25 years so like at that point and consistently continuing to do so now now educating other coaches and teaching other trainers yeah
2: arenas as well so
0: Piece of that. Yeah. Like at that point, like there's, there's the, the competitive aspect of it goes way down because you've got that established book of history and now you're just trying to give back to everybody else and help them do the same thing that you're doing so that they can have that same little thing that they were doing, that you were doing when they started out learning how the lear, learning from people that are the top in the field, learning what they can do to be the best and provide the best results for their clients. And then having them basically create a bunch of little minions for yourself to go out and do all your competitive work for you.
1: Yeah. 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 And that, that is, <laughs> it's, now it's more about yeah building everyone up. And I really do get the, it's, it's close to the same satisfaction when one of our, our CPPS certification, we have coaches now mm. from all over the world. I think we have like 14 different countries represented, but getting an email or a text from a coach saying like, Hey, here's one of my clients that I've been with, you know, two, three years, they just got a scholarship or they just signed a pro contract and, you know, your training and what I learned at the certification is a big part of what I did with this client. And so you have a little piece of like other gyms and other trainers and other coaches and their success. And that that feels good more about like, now it's more about sharing all the information and helping as many people as possible. as opposed to like back then it was my gym's got to be the best and we're getting the best results. I, you're right. At, at 25 years in, and 46 years old, I don't need, like my ego doesn't need that anymore. I'm, I'm very proud of what I've accomplished and now let me help others do the same.
0: And I think one of the, one of the things that's the, the coolest about you is, is longevity wise, right? If we look at, if we look at people from, that time, like 20, 25 years ago, and we look at their career arcs and their career paths now, it's like there's like you and Cressy that are left producing really solid athletes, still doing really good stuff, still highly respected by younger coaches and and people like that. And the thing that I I see that seems to be the the most, the biggest common thread between the two of you guys is all of your stuff is very simple and effort-based. And that's it. There's nothing flashy. There's no flavor of the month. It's just, no, you're going to show up you're going to do what I tell you to do. And you're going to work really hard at it. And then you're going to get where you want to go. And yeah. I think that's that's really different than what a lot of people, particularly in the age of social media, are doing, where everything has to be overly complicated or flashy or just like like a circus show, like a circus side show, well, just to get engagement.
1: Totally. Yeah, and that's the – you could spot that from a mile away. Yeah. I think a coach that's been in the game – I don't even – you know, you don't have to be in it too long if you know what you're doing like that those Instagram exercises, I call it, like just to get the likes, you, here's what, I I was just actually talking uh, with um, Jim Smith, who's the co-creator of our certification, we're talking about this last night, Uh, we're talking about training longevity, and training clients for long periods of time, and um, a coach brought up exercise variety and variability. And you hear some of these buzz like, you know, muscle confusion and all this. And a lot of trainers, we will, everything's so nuanced. Like what you just said, I, I agree with 100%, like keeping things simple. But also I've had clients now that I've worked with for continuously uninterrupted 16, 17, 18 years plus, which is insane. If I, if I did the same exact thing with them, like a lot of coaches will be like, you don't need anything but just the basics and you can make, res- you can make progress with that. That is true, but they would also be bored out of their freaking minds yeah. and, and not want to come back. So there's that fine line of, yes, the basics are what every program should revolve around. But you want to sprinkle in, when we sprinkle in variety, I think this is the key. The, the variations we'll use in exercises to keep our clients engaged, or like, like a west side type system where you're rotating exercises and it's just a little bit different than the, the main lift to hit different muscles, different planes of motion. The key though is you don't want to make them like too extreme circus side show. Right. I always say keep it, I guess my my long-winded way of saying, like, keep your exercises should have a degree of difficulty of like a five or less on a scale from one to 10. So the execution could be a 10, which is, that's the reason why you don't see a lot of like Olympic lifts and, and like snatches and clean and jerks in my programs. Not because I don't think they're not great exercises, but just in my experience, they take longer to teach and to master. So let me do something like a box jump or just a vertical jump, holding dumbbells or a sled push, something with a degree of difficulty of like a three, but yeah. execution could be a 10, output could be a 10, yeah. and that's how you're gonna get results. It's yes, you want some variety, but don't make it where it's, it's so difficult circus sideshow that you're never gonna be able to overload that movement and, 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 you know, get that output and get those results. You're just doing a cool exercise to try to make yourself look smart on Instagram.
2: Yeah, we, we say that a lot with our groups is one of the things that we we kind of have a triad where we've got like complexity, capacity, and output. And yes. all of those things have inverse relationships with one another, right? The more complex something is, the less output and the less capacity or less repeatability that, you know, somebody's probably gonna have with it. The more capacity driven it is, the less complex, the, m- the less output driven you're going to have, the less intensity you're going to have added. And I think that's like, for me, that some of the biggest things that I see on social media that really stand out is that just mismatches and those yeah. relationships, right? Where people are doing high complexity things with an attempt at like super high intensity or yes. super high repeatability, right? Where you're just like, that's that's looking either at, you know, technical failure or failure due to like fatigue accumulation over time. And at that point, the ROI is super low for most people, especially if you're not working with highly trained athletes that do have a, a, la- a large training age, or at least like a, a pretty good, a pretty good ability to like pick up things really quickly. Like, when you're working with gen pop or you're working with even like, you know, high school athletes, like, man, just get them in there and get the output in like, that's the stuff that's gonna kind of have the highest return for the majority. 100%. of it.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's been my problem with CrossFit is. Yeah. You know, that's a
2: perfect example. Yeah.
1: What you just said, uh, that's, cro- that's CrossFit, yeah. unfortunately, because when you watch the CrossFit games and like at the highest level, I have nothing but the utmost respect they're for those athletes. athletes. Like, athletes. Like, yeah. I, I yeah. wish I could do
0: that. <laughs> they're,
1: they're better <laughs> athletes than like any of us, like yeah, by yeah, miles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the problem becomes the 99.9 yep. percentile that's yeah. not them is now doing their workout yeah. day in and day out mm-hmm. at the CrossFit box down the street. Yeah. And that's why chiropractors and physical therapists, you know, have booming businesses, these, these past 10 years. Open up next door. CrossFit yeah. <laughs> they ring out a little
2: corner in the box. And
1: yeah. Good, I was going to
0: say, know, we've it. actually had some physical therapists through our programs who are like, I'm just going to open a studio, like inside the CrossFit box. I <laughs> yeah, know y'all yeah, are just going to be running right back and forth. <laughs> yeah,
2: well, one of the guys in our last group was a, uh, was a physical therapist that works in a CrossFit box. Yeah. And, and, you know, he's like, he's yeah, like every class I to, just go set up my
1: table in the corner and just wait. Yeah. <laughs> And he was I, would like, be, I would be doing the same thing yeah, a physical therapist that that is brilliant it's genius yeah.
2: yeah it's like uh just just understand where the need is and go go fulfill it and, and you're good to go man. but but yeah that's like that's exactly what it is and every every it's like every argument i don't want to say argue because i don't i don't get in arguments over crossfit because i don't care enough probably to hold a, a super <laughs> high position on it but every conversation i've ever had like that like. Someone's always like, but do you watch the games? And I'm like, have you ever been to just a box on a Saturday for a class? It's not like, the same thing. That's like you're damn
0: right. I watch the games. They're incredible. That's like, yeah. That's like watching
2: the NBA finals on TV and then going to like a third grade basketball game. Yeah. With YMCA. Like that's not the same thing. Uh, it's the rules don't apply different, different specimens all over the place.
1: And that's the thing in our industry, everyone, it's, everyone's emulating like the, it's not even, it's less than 1%, but it's called the 1% where nobody wants to talk about the Mm. 99.9% that we all should be paying a little more attention to. It's just that, you know, yeah, the CrossFit games that happens once, which is what I don't even know the, the, the percentage of people that quote unquote do CrossFit versus, who is in those games oh, you, competing, you like, what is the mil- percent?
2: You cut millions and millions down to like yeah. 20, 20 men and 20 yeah, women it's, it's, or something. It's, it's, like, it's, it's
1: less than, it's, yeah. a, it's a fraction of a percentage. Yeah. But we're, yeah. we're all trying to do that, you know? It's, yes. Right. Well, because
0: remember, remember the story you told in Miami about your 35 year old dude who's gonna <laughs> be the, the next <laughs> walk on. Cuz that's everybody, all, <laughs> that, that's clients, everybody. We are all actually the
2: outliers in our own life, like everybody. is. Yeah. 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 It's true, 100%. Yeah. So I, I, I want to shift a little bit because I think the, the story that I want to hear the most and I think it's probably the most applicable to even some of the people listening is, you know, coming from a gym and coming from like an exclusive in-person gym ownership, brick and mortar career, and then shifting into education, shifting into remote services and, and being able to go through that process, I think, again, even like Matt talking about, like you, like kind of your generation and setting yourself apart from a lot of those. That's another thing that I see that I think differentiates you in a lot of ways from some of your your contemporaries and the fact that a lot of them are still, they haven't made that shift with the industry. Uh, and when did you decide to do that? And and kind of how did that process take place?
1: You know, I. that's a great question. I think what helped me or, or the thing that, that pushed me along because I was, I loved my gym. Like when Mm. I, I grew it into what was for me, my dream gym. I went from, I had a nice kind of slow steady progress from work for someone else, 500 square foot storage closet, 2000 square foot, standalone warehouse that was finally my own. Then my 5,000 square foot gym, which, most people, I think, when they think of DeFranco's gym, kind of remember I had the turf and the yeah. and the racks, and yep. it kind of became like the blueprint for for performance facilities. Now mm-hmm. I, I see, which I'm I'm very proud of. So many coaches have sent me pictures of their gym and said, "Man, I started my business solely on." watching your YouTube videos, pausing it, and just buying all the equipment you had, and you could right on. <laughs> So like, you know, it's-, it's Did you get cool. like
0: an affiliate kickback or something I like that?
1: Talk about a bad business move. <laughs> yeah. I, fact, I I'm, could have been doing a lot better than I am right now, if I, if I would have, but no, I didn't. And uh, so it, I just thought, hey, I have this, uh, my dream facility, I love it. This is what I'm gonna do for the rest of my life. I'm gonna train athletes and run this gym and um, I I would have been happy with that, and I I did have offers like franchising and all that, and I just, it never felt right for me because I'm so like OCD with everything. I just saw, not that you can't have a successful franchise business, but in our world, and it, it being such a people business and relationships, it's, it was hard for me finding like, three or four really good trainers from my the gym. It just became a little overwhelming. With that. And yeah, you guess-
0: also you also put your name on it. So yeah. that's an extra level of pressure. It's not like you had, a, like Retro Fitness is a is a big franchise. It's yeah. not like it's a completely different name that's not associated with you at all. That's an extra level.
1: Yeah, which if I go, it's funny, because that, not to get off on a tangent, but I would maybe do that different. I never, I didn't say like, oh, my gym is going to be called DeFranco's Gym because I can't think of a name. When it was the storage closet, it didn't have a name. I just started training people out of yeah. mm-hmm. the storage closet. But kids would like call their parents to come pick them up and be like, "Mom, I'm at the Franco's. Oh, I'm at. I'm in that. Yeah. I'm downstairs from the uh, Odyssey Athletic Center." Was the name of the gym. So they'd say, "I'm I'm downstairs at the Franco's," and I, and it just became like the Franco's. So, but as the the business grew, I remember I had some a few business consultants here. Um, come and go a few times and every one of them was like yeah in the future you might not want to put your name on that because everyone's always going to be looking for like you the individual if something goes wrong and it might be cool your your name gets a little bit of recognition but it is it's tough when your your name's on the front door but absolutely anyway (laughs) um for me it was having kids and and having I had twins so it was like Everything revolved around the gym and I didn't have any other distractions, which I think was why I was able to grow my business in the beginning, no, no girlfriend, no wife, no kids. It was just tunnel vision 24 seven, I, I quote unquote worked, but I, I loved what I was doing. So I got so engrossed in it. Then I had not one, but like two kids at once. And even though I live 10 minutes from the gym, I tell this story a lot, like, and I tried it from day one. I was like, I'm going to be a very present father. I'm going to be there. I'm going to do everything. I'm not going to be one of those dads that's always traveling or this or that. So I I didn't, I wasn't doing a lot of traveling. My gym's only 10 minutes away, but I was so, I was there so often and so engrossed in the day-to-day. I remember coming home one day and my two girls come running up to the door and they're like, dad, 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 dad. And then I just stopped for a second. I'm like, when did they start walking? And like, not only walking, but running. Yeah. And my, you know, my wife's like, oh yeah, they've been doing that for a few days. And that was like, almost like the moment for me where I was like, oh man, I, I don't want this to be 10 years from now. And then they're off to college and I don't know what the hell happened. So that's when I started shifting. I started like the DeFranco Insider, which that was like easing into the, um, you know, more education, it would like an online community where I mm-hmm. could reach more people without having to just do more appointments and see more yeah. you know people each day. And then that grew. And then so many people, I never saw like thought I would have a certification or aspired to have, you know, get into the education aspect. But and I think this is a good lesson for people in this industry too. You if you live I love you know talking, obviously, I could talk all day about training and fitness, but if I do a lot of listening, like I, I read the comments on my Instagram, or back then, I read my emails, I listened to my clients, I listened to other trainers, and a day didn't go by when a trainer or so, a parent would come up to me and say, "How do I learn more? Like I want to learn more about." what you do like how do you come up with these workouts how do you come up with the progression is is there a reason and a purpose to to all this and it's like yeah and they ever it just started happening more and more where they're like do you have a manual or something where i could Mm -hmm. you know learn a little more and then literally like five or six years of that coming up daily is when um jim smith who who is now my my longtime partner in it he, he just said one day, he's like, why don't we create a curriculum? Like, let's just start putting all this stuff down. And it obviously took a while. It wasn't like an overnight thing, but we slowly started the process. And then we had our first certification and it was such a success. We realized like, oh, okay, we have something here. And then in my mind, I said, this might be, I don't want to call it an out, but like this, this is a career path that It's still a lot of work, but training trainers and teaching certification, that's something that it's not like the gym business where I have appointments from 6 a.m. till 10 p.m. every night. I could a little bit more free. I don't even want to call it free time, but you can make your schedule a little bit more revolve around your lifestyle. And then that's where it slowly went. And then when the certification really started blowing up, that's when I, I made the very difficult decision. It wasn't easy, but I decided to kind of get out of the the gym business and um focus more on on the cert and the online stuff. And uh then not having any gym, I didn't love that either. So then I think I lasted six months and then I opened up the small gym that I have now. So I recognize the both <laughs> worlds now.
0: That's uh so like I I I used to work at an Equinox, right? And I, I, I've dealt with a lot of high, really high performing people in business. And that was one of the things that I would always say to them is like I would get like a CEO or like a managing director of a large firm and they would tell me, "Big like, Matt, I cannot wait to retire and be done. And I'm like, motherfucker, you are going to be back at work in a month. Yep. I'm like, you're going to hate it. You're going to just want to die. And then you're going to just immediately go find something to do. And every single time I'd have a guy that would retire and he'd come in and would be like, Oh, it's so good. Like my life is great. I just came back from vacation. It was really awesome. And then like the next week, I'm like, how's the uh, retirement you?" He's like, dude, I'm so bored. I just <laughs> want to go back to work and do yeah. something. And like, they would go get like, so like one of my, one of my current clients, he retired from his job, retired for a month. And then started nine different businesses afterwards. I'm like, bro, you went from doing one thing to doing nine (laughs) other companies. Like you, you are not retiring properly. Like this is not
1: right. But I get it. I get it. You just get bored. Crazy busy. You want that, that day off or you want, you know, you want that, that vacation, but too much of it. Now I realize I I am a guy that definitely likes being busy more than being bored. There's. Yes, there's a fine line. You don't want to, you know, you, you need that break here and there. But, like, I think for people who work hard their whole lives to just be like, oh, I'm done, I'm retired, and now I'm doing nothing. Yeah. You realize, you know, hopefully we're all around for a very long time. Like, doing nothing for 30 years oh, God, is – that's brutal. That's Especially
2: brutal. cold turkey, right? Yeah. Like, it's yeah. just – there's got to be a – like, one of, one of my – long-term clients, same thing. She was an executive in New York with a huge company and retired. And two months later, she was consulting 30 (laughs) hours a week, you know? And I'm just like, yep. All right. So we're back to like almost full-time, but like, not. she's like, yeah, but it's, you know, I go into the office twice a week and I'm home three days a week. I was like, you know, that, if that, that kind of fills that bucket, you're, better lifestyle than the 70 that you were working prior. Absolutely. 100%. You know,
1: it's a good, it's a good lesson too. I think for any business owner, um, or really anybody, and I know it sounds cliche, but like you really do need to do what makes you happy. Mm -hmm. Even my gym, I loved it. And I, I worked hard and I was proud that we were listed as, you know, top 10 gym in the country, in the world, like all these things. I was very, very proud of that. And, and I did really enjoy the running the gym and seeing the clients every day, but it got, when I, when I had kids, it what it became more of a stress than Mm -hmm. like, there was more things that I didn't like than I liked. And I found I went a good two years of keeping the gym more for the perception. Every time I said, I'm going to do what. What makes me happy I love training people but I don't love training them for 15 hours a day anymore. I want to do it for three hours a day and then train trainers and and co you know educate others but I didn't do that for two years because I was worried of what people would think I was like oh if I shut the gym down they're gonna think I went out of business they're gonna think mm-hmm. something bad happened and like now i look back and i'm like why did you give a shit what other people thought like who cares yeah you, you they think you went out of business they but i but i i admit like that's why i didn't do what i wanted to do because i was worried about what the perception would be of oh the world renowned gym went under like now i look back and i'm like man i could have i i, I could have it, it all worked out but I could have gotten even a head start, and maybe our certification could have been further along if I would have done what I wanted to do, which is what I'm doing now. I set up my business exactly how I want to run my business. I realize now, like I was years, I was running my business like I was an employee of mm-hmm. myself. You know what I mean? It's, it's yeah. weird, but I'm like, why was, I was doing a whole bunch of stuff I didn't want to but I didn't have to answer, I'm the freaking boss, why was I doing that? Because I was worried about what other people thought. And that's just yeah, its embarrassing, but it's the truth. I mean, I got
0: I, to I gotta empathize with you to, to a degree though, it. because yeah, I, I totally get it, it. Sure. because any kind of accolades like that are always gonna be a double edged sword yeah. because at that same point while everybody's building you up and is, is like looking at the fact that you are number, one of the highest rated gyms in the country or highest rated gyms in the world and you win those awards those also come with an equal amount of people that are just like, oh, fuck this dude. I want him to go out of business.
1: 100%.
2: Yeah. There's a lot of pressure that mounts. Yeah. So
0: that whole time, that makes makes complete sense because, I mean, we see that with, like, because we also mentor and educate other coaches and trainers as well. And we see that with them all the time. It's like, they'll... They'll come in and they'll be like, I'm doing 150 sessions a month or 200 sessions a month. I'm exhausted. I haven't seen my friends in a, in a month. I haven't done anything that I want to do. I haven't taken a day off in six months. Like, it's been ridiculous. And it's like, okay, cool. Well, why don't you just go and do something on your own? And like, I can't because everybody will think I failed.
1: Yeah, yeah, I get it. I, yeah. I, I lived it. I lived it. Yeah. It's, it's crazy, but that's how, and it is funny. That was another thing that was hard for me. Um, in the beginning and I've gotten a little bit better with it, but it's uh, just being honest. Like when you, you love what you do and and we're in, we're in the business of helping people, yet it was so hard for me to understand, like why do so many people hate me? Like I'm a good guy, I, I have good parents. Like I go to work each day, I help kids. And then you go online. Cause remember, I started like right when the internet was yeah, like yeah, a new yeah. thing. So now it's like, whoa, why are, why are these message boards all saying, you know, I'm a bad guy. I, I sell steroids in the back of my gym <laughs> to high school kids. I'm like, what? Where does this come? Like, why would people do this? And then you, as you get older, you realize it's just people that are unhappy yeah, with yeah. themselves. A lot of them, I found out, were people who had gyms that went out of business. So then they're angry and they're trying to put other people down. But it's a real thing. Like, you have success a whole bunch of people hate you for no reason. They never met you. They don't know you. They never stepped foot in your gym, but they just want to see you fail. And uh, so, yeah, like you end up running your business for these, these people. Like that old expression, like yeah, um, do it, doing things you don't want to do to impress people or spending money you don't have to impress yeah. people uh, you don't know or whatever yeah. that expression is. I know I just pushed it. But I, uh, I, like, <laughs> I ran my business like that for, yeah. for a while.
0: I mean, it's one of those things where it starts getting worse now on social media because now everybody is exposed to so many more people that you would never have any exposure to any other time. And it's like you'll have a like you'll have a weird like little niche community in Zimbabwe that just wants like is like praying for your death every single day it's like I what did I ever do like why do you not like me this much like You're if we sat down. and talked we'd be probably be friends that's they're
2: the thing the they're thing. Parisi acolytes for, for some reason there you go <laughs>
0: <laughs> Parisi's that. got that cult following in
2: Laos that's like oh no 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 <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: it's like oh that like fuck this guy he left he left and did his own thing oh my god Uh, no it's I it's funny because like that's that's a big part of the reason like even talking about your story like I left New York originally like my kids were two and four and I I would go four to five days a week not seeing them because I was getting up so early and coming home so late and then on the weekends it's like I was traveling or or whatever and it's just like it wears on you in a major way and I think that's that's a big thing and I think a lot of coaches like when you're kind of in your like you get to that kind of early to mid 30s range and if you've been working really hard for 10 12 years at that point you get to this where you're just like oh wow like I there's a shift I need to make somewhere because this isn't there's no longevity in this at this point anymore like we I can't just keep burning it at both ends. And I think that's even just being kind of vulnerable and telling your story about doing it more so to, you know, like to impress the people that don't really matter. That's, I probably stayed in New York two, two years longer than I should have.
0: Yeah. Because yeah. it was the
2: same thing because f- feeling like leaving New York and coming back home was like, I, I felt like a huge failure at the time when it happened, it was a big deal to me. And, you know, it's like looking back, it's like, Oh God, I was just spending money for no reason like you know out there for you know it's like i could have been so much farther along in in our business and like family wise could have done so many more things so in new york
1: is not no uh it ain't cheap either no No i'm I'm lucky i left pre-covid too i might not have. oh my god but that's another great example it's it's the, the That freaking, it was bothering me, the, the no. expression, buy, buying things you don't need with money you don't have to impress yes. people you don't like. There you that, go. There <laughs> we go. There we go. But it, it hit me when you said, I, I'm living in New York. You know, I'm thinking yeah. like when two years longer than you needed to, like that that's another perfect example. Like it's yeah. crazy. But here, here we are, we're all talking about, we all have kind of done it. How many other trainers and, and gym owners or whatever are doing that right now? Yeah. Um, and you know, maybe haven't been honest with themselves, but yeah. they're just living this this life and this career for other people that they don't even know. Like, right? Like, oh, yeah. big gun sixty nine on Instagram. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but like, that's also one of the one of the reasons why like we get a lot of of, of enjoyment out of what we do, and you probably get a, tr- a tremendous amount of enjoyment out of what you do. Because you're helping people who are ready to take that step, yeah. take that step. And you can get, hopefully, if they join and they do whatever they're doing with your with your program, they can realize that, oh, I can I can do this and I can get to that point without having to make the mistakes that he made. So yep. it becomes a really nice way of being able to pass it on to other people and be like, look, I know where you are, I've been there, and I see where you end. And it's not good. Like, yep. you're going to hate it. It's going to be terrible. So why don't you just m- make that slight one degree adjustment now, and your life is going to be so much better.
1: That, that's it. That's it. And that's what. It, that's. It's funny. It, that's what I'm doing right now, and I, it, I always say that with the, because you, you you said before what you were talking about one of your clients who like retired and yeah. then thing. They, <laughs> that's exactly when I the small gym that I have now. That's what I started doing because I was like I don't. If I start taking clients, it's just, I'm going to get right back to where I was. Mm-hmm. So I started, could, even on the door, it still says DeFranco's training and consulting. I started consulting, um, which led into getting back into training, but doing it, I now do it about three, you know, three, four hours a day, three to four days a week instead of killing myself with it. Mm-hmm. But um, that, that was what I... I always said, like, I'm not the guy, you know, to help you. If you're looking to build a multi-million dollar gym franchise, I'm not that guy, but I could help you with that 1%, that one decision from, you know, how to get started or going from your garage to the warehouse, how to not make the same mistakes I made. There's a lot of little things involved that just experience. You learn through experience and um, that's, was very gratifying for me with that the consulting aspect of my business where I'd get a text message from someone a year later saying hey man I took your advice I went from almost shutting down my gym doors to here's a picture of my new gym and I just bought my first house like I actually have text messages like that where Mm -hmm. that's as as gratifying now as like you know, the first client that you have that, you know, went from high school to scholarship to playing in the NFL. Those type of stories are amazing. But the guy that was about to go out of business sending you a picture of his new gym and his first house, yeah. that's pretty damn cool too, you know? Yeah.
0: That's honestly like for for me, and this is one of the reasons why like I ended up like uh, when, when Kyle offered me the job with him, I ended up taking it is because it's to me, this is, it's a better way to give back to more people because then you can also, you now also know that that guy is doing the same thing that you were just talking about with your clients, right? Where he's now taking those kids and he's turning them into like, like high level athletes and high performers, or he's taking gen pop people. If that's the the realm that he's in who just want to make a lifestyle change and become happier with themselves. And he's doing that with them. So you now like, so it, it becomes a bit like a much better, outcome for i'm personally for me i like i don't know about for for you guys but for me it do, absolutely does because it's like well now i've impacted one person who can go in, impact 55 more people and it's much 100%. easier that way
1: yeah that's what i i was i was thinking back i used to work like 6 a.m till 9 10 11 like around the clock and then some just training sessions but when you look back how many people did I, did I see in the day, like on a, on a busy day, maybe 20, you know, yeah. we do some small group training two, three kids, a group of four, some one-on-one a, a monster day. You see 30 people, but now even this podcast, you could be on a podcast and this conversation could help millions if it, if it gets out there with one, one hour conversation. And that's what I started realizing too uh, because I still had that old school mentality where I was like, if you're not in the trenches training people, you're not a real coach. You're not a real trainer. But I did that for solely that for 15 years before I got into more of the online stuff and the certification and the education. But now I look in, it's not any less of a coach. It's now I look at it as, me capping out at, you know, 20, 30 people on a good day total. Now I could, if we do a certification with 20 coaches and each one of those 20 coaches has 20 to 30 clients and that, you know, it just expands or a podcast instead of answering, that's how my podcast started. I would spend two, three hours On Sundays, just answering emails, just people would ask me training questions and I would just answer them for free to give back. And then I start, you know, you get the same questions over and over and over again. And I'm like, wait a minute, what the hell am I doing? I'm I'm literally typing like the same thing that I just wrote 10 minutes ago to a separate person. How about if I answer these on a podcast and send it out to the world? And now instead of helping one person in the 20 minutes it took me to write out this email. I could help 20,000 people, 50,000 people, mm-hmm. a million if, you know, it, it's unlimited. And now I have more of that mindset. Like, yeah. yes, I still work hard. And even though I say I, I set up my business with all aspects of things I actually enjoy doing, it's still a lot of work. There's still a lot of bullshit mm-hmm. you have to deal with as oh, a yeah. owner. I don't want to make it sound, you know, it ain't all sunshine and rainbows to uh, quote Rocky Balboa, no. but, it's it's mostly things I, I do enjoy and I'm able to work smarter. It doesn't have to be around the clock anymore while reaching 10 to 100 times more people than mm-hmm. I used to reach when I was in New Jersey under that roof, just working with people that could come see me in person.
2: Yeah, yeah I think we're like, I mean, we're almost completely remote. Like Matt still trains some people in person. And I'm just very extroverted.
0: So if I don't see like a person (laughs) a day, I'll
2: probably just It's not going to be good. If Matt only (laughs) talks to me during the day, he's going to be
1: very upset.
2: I'll be texting him at like
0: 7, like like 8 p.m., which is just past bedtime. Kyle,
2: Kyle, you up? Kyle, I'm bored. Kyle, you up?
1: (laughs) Talk to me. Talk to me. Please, somebody.
2: our relationship is Matt texting me at like nine o'clock, but me already being to bed and me texting him (laughs) back at four in the morning. And then him texting me back like at eight or (laughs) nine. No, it's, but we're, yeah, we, we kind of came across the same thing is just, you know, we've, we've both been in the field, trained a lot of sessions. We've both been managers and worked in upper management for corporate gyms and things of that nature. And it's just, the reach is so much different as far as how how many people we can help, you know, and I think that's at the end of the day that 's what you know we care the most about and um, it 's definitely something you know early in my career obviously and early in your career, like I never would have dreamed this is possible like i always I, I have to tell the the coaches and i'm i 'm thirty nine so i 'm a little younger than you but like my first job, like I had a, a Nokia razor, like I had a flip phone. There was no social media. There was nothing. Right. It's like you, if you would have, you know, told me I had free marketing and I had the ability to like be able to talk to people through, you know, virtual type, you know, modal, like just platforms. Like I never would have believed that training could have been something on that realm. And, and now it's like, yeah, like coaches just have to be able to shift and kind of take advantage of that and realize that there's opportunities in a lot of different areas that they probably didn't foresee when they got in this industry.
1: Yeah, although I do think I agree with everything you said, but you, I still feel strongly and why you guys are successful online is because you've both done it. in Oh, perfect. yeah. Absolutely. We're we're, Absolutely. Very we're 100% of, on board of, with that. Uh, yeah, Like yeah. I almost, I wish there was some like some kind of rule or, barrier for entry where you can't sell online programs or online training unless you have a minimum of five years training people in person and you have to prove some some tangible like objective results Mm, that you have gotten with them now you're allowed to go online because too many 22 year old trainers are like oh i have abs i'm gonna be an online trainer and that's a big issue with our industry Absolutely. I, I watched a
2: YouTube video and I'm ready. Yeah, you know, it is, <laughs> now it's and that, that is something that, you know, we, cause that's, we're completely on board with that too. And I think even like from a perception perspective, like I would not appreciate like what we do now, if I did, I mean, when I was in New York, like I was living in Bushwick. So my commute into the city and that for five o'clock clients started at three thirty. Oh right? yeah, I'd, oh. I'd get up at three. Yep. I'd be walking to the train at three thirty. I had to transfer multiple times. The subways only run every thirty minutes. Yep. They had to coordinate everything that early. You're the only sober person on the street, <laughs> yeah. which is even worse. Morning
1: for you, but that's night. Oh it's awful. For- like yeah. you don't want
2: to see a three thirty L train. Like that's oh, no. not where you want to be as a sober person. And, and it's like, you, you understand like, that's like, okay, I start, I was, my mm-hmm. first client's at five, my last client ends at eight, and then I'm back on the train again. And, and I think that that gives you a lot of context and it builds a lot of just character, I think, yeah. for someone who's in their early 20s as they go through that process. And, and also just being on a training floor and actually working with clients, because we all know, it's like, you write out the perfect program, right? Like, re, like what a remote coach would write out but then you get into the gym and the pro it doesn't take much for that program to fall to pieces right Right. like or you'd have to at least shift one thing if not multiple things within that once you're in a crowded gym or once you just see a client not be able to perform something you know to the level that you programmed it and you need to you know you make need to make accommodations from that perspective and and i think you have to have enough of those scenarios to really even understand how to to lay out remote programming that's actually going to be effective for people because it's more than just exercises and reps and sets. Like you have to be able to, to program things a little better than that. I think from a periodization standpoint too. Absolutely.
0: And, and an exercise selection standpoint, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I usually ask people like, what time do you train and how busy is the gym when you were doing this? (laughs)
1: Yeah,
0: (laughs) Because like nothing was ever worse for me than when I was working at my, at my gym when I would have a guy who would come at four, right? And it was a normal 4 p.m. session and 4 p.m. The gym was dead, but every once in a while, he'd have to reschedule to 6.30 because he gets stuck at work. And it's like, okay, cool. We got a heavy bench day today, but it's at 6.30. You showed up five minutes late. All the benches and squat racks are taken. Yeah. All the dumbbell stations are taken. Uh, we're going to just go do some body weight conditioning circuits because we've got
1: no other options. Like <laughs> It's a different gym. Yeah. yeah, it's a completely different environment. Yeah. And nobody would, and that's where the, the online trainer with no experience would never think of that. Yeah. That doesn't even cross their mind. It's just, they yeah, write Yeah, you're just not dedicated. Program. You just got to, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're not dedicated. Enough. You just don't want it I, enough. You don't want it. I, I did the program today, and yeah. I had a problem with it, so yeah. why shouldn't you? I
0: trained you know? at 1130 in my house. What are you? was wrong with you?
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> don't it's yeah. I, I think that's something that, you know, we, we talk about that a lot is it's, you got it like in this industry. And I, I always like caveat with like, I'm not trying to be like a hardo about it, but it's like, you kind of have to eat shit for a little bit because that, that's the, that ends up being the filtering process for this. Yep. And like when I worked in corporate gyms, our turnover rate was almost 150% higher than our hiring rate. Wow. At that point, because like, and it was, and like out of the people who turned over 75 to 80% of them were in their first 90 days in the industry yeah. because they, like we had markers where we could under, where we could kind of see where people were dropping out versus where they were lasting. And it's like, you have to be able to get in this industry and build a business incredibly fast. Yeah. If you want to make enough money to make ends meet for for the other things that you're doing. And if you're good at what you do and you, you stick with it, like this can be like, I, we've made great money, you know, working in fitness, but I also understand that that's one of those things where it's like, there's a very fine line before. Like, like I've seen a lot of very talented, well-meaning people drop out in six weeks. Like just, they've got a a undergrad, they've got a (laughs) master's. They're pretty good with people, whatever. They're hard workers, but they just, Something wasn't there. Where, like in the first four to six weeks of the industry, they just decided they want to do something else. Or they and started
0: they started at the wrong time and they got hired in July. Oh, and everybody's of, yeah, gone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. You get hired yeah, in July and New, yeah. yeah. New
2: York in New York, it's a death sentence. Like it's no one's in dead. the city. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. no one's dope. in the city. Yeah. You know, so it, it's just like you you have to under, there's a lot of other extraneous factors to be successful in the industry. And part of it is being able to just I mean, and again, I hate the term like hashtag grind a little bit, you know, and that doesn't mean like 10 years into your career, you should maybe still be doing that, but you know, unless you want to, but early on, like, I think you have to like, just, just to get through and make it. And so you can understand like what you need to be doing
1: long-term. Yeah. It's fun. We, we talked about like the, it's a parallel, I think to like the CrossFit we're saying the CrossFit games athletes versus The, the average person doing CrossFit yes. every day, the 22 year old trainer wants the lifestyle that maybe the 42 yeah. year old trainer that did it in person for 15, 20 years and is now at the point where, yeah, they maybe occasionally sit on a beach and write some online programs for, <laughs> for like a few <laughs> VIP clients because they've earned that right yeah. because yeah. they've been doing it for 20 plus years. But and there's nothing wrong with that. That's great. But like, yeah, at 22, you shouldn't be emulating the 42 or, you know, mm. year old trainer that's been doing it 25 years. If, or If you want to emulate that person, do what they did when they were 20, yeah, 22 exactly. years old, which is on the gym floor, gaining experience, Absolutely. you know, and working with real people because doing it in person will get, will make you a better online trainer but online does not help you with in-person, especially no, no, if you start no. online with no, you know, real-world experience. It's, Absolutely. You know, like, all the little nuanced things we even brought up in the last few minutes, you never think of that. Like, what time? How many How many pieces of equipment are mm-hmm. in the gym? Does the gym you go to even have a squat rack? Have I even seen you do a bodyweight squat, but I programmed five sets of five heavy barbell squats <laughs> in your first program? Like, so many things that you just wouldn't think about. You need that in-person experience, man. What's
0: the distance between this equipment for this superset? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> it's I, I even, stupid
0: stuff like that that you're like, I, I wouldn't have thought of that at all if I just worked on body.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I had a client that I'm working with right now that I like programmed out some tri-sets, just like lower body and upper body, just pump work for them. And she messaged me after the first session. She's like, This isn't gonna work. Like I actually work out at a gym that I don't work at because I prefer to change my environment. I've done done that. Yeah, and she's she's like the leg extension, the leg press are on different floors. Like I have to go three floors to get to this. So we need to do something else. And it's just like you have to know that information. You have to to be able to get. And and again, it's like part of it's our feedback system. But even asking the right questions, like what didn't work about this week or days of training, um, and, and be able to take those inputs and change it around for for the next um i know we are running up on an hour and we don't want to keep you too long um matt are we ready for our, our one scripted question yeah
0: so we always lie to all of our guests and we say <laughs> we have no scripted questions and then we spring it on them at the very end um we got one,
2: we got
1: one.
0: because we want to keep it off the cuff we want to have it fun um so this will be i think this will this will be a good one especially with given your experience and given your history in the field um, our only scripted question is, what do you see in, in training or social media or just like the fitness field in general that you really just like grinds your gears and you really just don't like? Rant away.
1: Ooh. Well, we are- We, are we might have covered it. We probably have. What was that?
0: We probably covered we, it.
1: But yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, I want to think of something else too, but my the, my, the first um, thing that pops in my head is like the online trainer coach thing that we just spoke about yeah. the, you know, 22 year old with just because they have abs and they, they vlog about what they eat for fucking breakfast each day and put it on YouTube. Now they're, they're a quote unquote, you know, a coach. That's, that's one that really uh, pisses me off. Um, oh man. There's you, there's, there's so many things. That's, that's the big one is, the kind of no no barrier for entry, like what what we've worked so hard to do, and and we are three true professionals in the industry, you know. Two and a I, half. I'll yeah. take my half credit. <laughs> <laughs> we are uh, not not that you need education, but just as an example, like someone who has a four-year degree in in exercise science. and maybe beyond has a master's, even, you know, some, even with PhDs. And then you have an internship and you gain all this experience and you train and we work for free. And Mm -hmm. the guy with 20 years experience has online because there's, there's no governing body or Mm -hmm. any kind of barrier for entry. Like, we're all just personal trainers, like online in your Instagram bio. I always joke and say like, I lie when I go to the doctor and you have to like fill out your occupation and stuff. I stopped writing personal trainer because I don't wanna be lumped in with all these other freaking schmucks that have personal trainer in their Instagram bio because I know what the perception of that is. It's like, oh, you're the dude who sits around with the clipboard staring at his phone while you you know you you count reps for some client that's gonna look the same and still look like shit for the next 20 years. And and you know, that's what every personal train you like, oh that's what you do. So I I've started coming up with all different things to put in my um, you know, if I'm filling out a forum, it's like entrepreneur, business owner, consultant, like exactly. anything but personal trainer. Um, but that's the that, that one comes to mind. I know what's going to piss me off is as soon as we hang up, I'm going to think of 20 things that annoy me. <laughs>
0: but I think shoot them to like, us in an email. We'll put them in the show notes. Oh, yeah.
1: I think, I think that will because I know I, – I, I did a, I did a, uh, a podcast on – like things I hate about personal training. And I, I remember I I had to limit it to 20. And now I my brain is stuck on this one thing because we just talked about it that that pissed me off. But what? that's um,
2: I mean, we can link that one in the show notes let's get the that all set one. up.
1: Yeah, I'll yeah. send you. I'll, I'll send you the
2: punch. No, I, yeah. I, I think that's I mean, that's what Matt and I always joke about because neither one of us did much on social media prior to like I, I had like a private profile that was like my kids and my dog and hamburgers Like for, <laughs> for the majority of my career, because I was training 200 sessions a month. Uh, like it, I was, I didn't need social media because my in-person business was good. And when I started this business, it was like, I had to figure out how to use social media, but it's, it's also like my career began four years ago in the eyes yes. of like, half the people everybody yeah and it's yeah. like, and it's like yeah. I'd, I'd been in the industry for almost 15 years at that point yeah. so it's like, oh gosh it's like I hit a reset yeah. where I didn't even exist prior to prior to that, the inception point. Oh yeah.
0: It's like, it's like mine. It's like I, I had no lifting videos or anything like that until I moved to Texas in 2016. So oh. i never lifted. I didn't even train, never set foot in the gym until 2016 when I moved down here. Oh or, really? No, no, no. I did. Oh. I tra- I've been lifting. Just oh, on I, social, not, just I I on social media I've been for, since I was 14. But okay. like, no, on, I, social on social media, I've only existed for six years in the industry. Matt, That's it. Matt came out of
2: nowhere with an <laughs> Hundred pound
1: deadlift. Like. <laughs> you, made, I, you made some pretty good progress. I got to get. Uh, yeah. <laughs> whatever Matt's
2: program is, we all
0: need that. I'm, I'm buying steroids at the back of DeFranco's yeah. gym. That's what oh, I was yeah.
1: <laughs> that, was, that was a good one.
2: That was good. Awesome, man. Well, where where can everybody find you? Where can they find all your stuff?
1: Uh, I'm probably most active on Instagram. I'm at DeFranco's Gym. And then, um, I have a, I don't know when this, this will drop, but within the next week, I have a new program coming out that I've, I've, oh, awesome. my ass off. Uh, it's, it's what I did post shoulder surgery, kind of, I had a goal of getting in the best shape of my life at 46 and, uh, hitting single digit body fat. I never had uh, single digit body fat on the in-body, um, uh, it's I don't know you got are you guys familiar with the in body yeah. machine? It's, yeah, we we have um, my nutritionist uses it, so we it's a little more accurate, a lot more accurate than skinfold. Not as accurate as a DEXA scan, but it's like single digit was always like a goal. The I goal ever could never never get it, and um, so I, I achieved that with this program that um it's more geared. It's like hypertrophy, but I would say like joint longevity and more relative strength-based mm-hmm. than just heavy one RM. I was always, I'm a one to three rep guy forever. This is a little bit easier on the joints, but not easy as a program yeah, yes. involved, but mm-hmm. uh, it, it's I think it could help a lot of people because all the things we talked about, like things that look good on paper, but the average client, like for example, an overhead press not a bad exercise but how many people have the mobility to do a great overhead press so like those types of things are addressed you know nice. keeping a little angle on the bench instead of going directly overhead set the bench at you know 80 degrees and do it that way and and little little angle changes tweaks to make it a little more joint friendly but you'll be able to get that at rebuiltprogram.com uh that will be live i think like january 18th to 20th. I don't know when this will
0: it'll definitely start. be live by the time this this podcast yeah, airs that no. for sure. Be great Yeah, so for sure.
1: Rebuilt rebuilt program.com. Um and then our certification is cppscoaches.com The the awesome. CPPS is certified physical preparation specialist. So those are that's my my big three right there.
0: Awesome. Awesome.
1: Awesome. We appreciate you coming on. This is fun.
0: Yeah. Thank you I so know, much, Joe.
1: Fun, man. It's great talking to you guys.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Compound Performance Radio. If you liked this episode, please be sure to like, share, subscribe, and drop us a review. We'll see you next time.